I drink lean, lean, lean. It's not embarrassing. It's the Going Off Podcast with Rap Critic and Muse. We are joined today by Open Mike Eagle. Open Mike, yo, tell tell the people how you doing, man. Tell them what's up. Oh, what's up? Uh, currently, there are um, city workers apparently up in trees outside my window. Today, they've decided oh. it's the day for tree trimming. <laughs> happens to be the day that we have decided to do this podcast. So... Um, welcome to my world. This is called Total Immersion. Do you host your own podcast? I remember seeing that a, a while back. I used to have a – well, I can't say I used to. It's on hiatus, and I'm bringing it back soon. My personal podcast, which is called Secret Skin, and that's an interview show. But I also do a wrestling podcast, in which ah. uh, I am one of the three hosts of, called Tyson oh, Fights. Nice. Is that it right now? And I'm like I'm like in talks to do a couple more. And I used to I used to have an Adventure Time podcast called huh. Conversation Great. I was, oh I, was gonna, I was gonna actually ask you because I mean well geez I was butting heads on like the first thing to bring up but s- since you had said it I was gonna ask you um, is your name Open Mike Eagle a play on Iron Mike Sharp? No, it is not. Ah, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, you know what's really a trip about that is how often people accidentally call me Iron Mike Eagle. Really. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, like it's so aggravating. Well, I wonder if it's re- because Iron Iron Mike Sharp, or if they got that that like Nazi thing in the back of the head of like the Iron Eagle. I, I'd I like think- to think they're thinking WWE enhancement talent from the late '80s, <laughs> early '90s, and not Nazis. But you never can tell these days. I I think it actually is mostly to do with Mike Tyson, actually. Oh yeah, it? that's right. Oh I, right, I, right. That's, the reason that it happens most, but it's just baffling to me because I've never said that, but that happens to me all the time. Well, on your latest album, you have, uh, you have, what's the name of the song? The legendary iron, uh, iron hood. And then that started messing with my head. Cause I was like, I was literally about to open up by saying, yeah, we got iron Mike uh, or iron hood. Or, Fuck man. What's your name? <laughs> I didn't, you know what? It's funny. I, I didn't even realize that I, that I've accidentally now associated the word iron with my name. <laughs> I've, done I've done it to myself. You played yourself. I, there you go. I did. I actually did. So the, the uh, other thing I was torn about bringing up first was uh, how I actually discovered. You're, what you're telling me is you're bringing up three different things first. How's that even possible? We got to be on second or third now. Th- this well, is I, the second first thing. Yeah. I see. The first time I'd ever heard of Open Mike Eagle was a video that Vox posted a long uh, time yeah. ago that was talking about you being a fan of They Might Be Giants, which isn't something you typically associate with with hip hop artists are weird, nerdy art rock sort of experimental uh electro kind of bands from uh from the early 80s but i thought that was super cool late and, 80s uh, there was even a track god i forget which exact track it was but i remember you even sampled a they might be giant song and i thought that was so fucking cool and i marked out pretty hard so i, I definitely wanted to bring that up that's my jam man those those guys like that's that's like my favorite music in the world is their really? stuff it's just how unique it is how authentic they are to their own voices how they never try to like sound like anybody else i mean they just are who they are and their music reflects their own values and interests and it's just the most like i don't know it's 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 everything i want out of music it's everything i really want out of entertainment honestly um and it also just happens to be like tunes and stuff that i really enjoy i think i saw that you'd posted like a top favorite songs of theirs or whatever and i I might be uh, remembering this wrong but I seem to remember them being mostly older songs. Do you lean more towards preferring the older albums than the newer ones? Um, I think the older albums are more impactful on me. Um, but just about every album they put they they put out, there's something in it I like. Yeah, I like how they don't really. No album feels like oh boy, here's them trying to do the ba 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 because this is what's cool right, right. now. Every album feels like. No, this is just what we felt like, and that's that's awesome. It's like that that honesty and the integrity of in music that I appreciate so much. Yeah, man, and and honestly, like, there's there's nothing more inspiring in the world to me that like they went platinum once. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. On, on paper, 
that just doesn't make sense. And uh, I don't know, I like to draw a lot of inspiration from that. Like, you just never know what could uh, what could work culturally, even if it you know even if it doesn't work on paper. That you know, it's weird. Yeah. Okay, so for me, I like I didn't get into them as much. So when I heard about them, like I thought they were strictly like a children's band, like. Because they did that, that Here Come the ABCs album, and they did the Courage the Cowardly Dog uh, song for the, the, the Cartoon Network soundtrack. So I thought it was like, oh, okay, it is like a kids group. I didn't know they were like, no, they were like legit alternative rock, like from freaking the 80s. Like, I had no idea. The, the, the way that I thought that they were kind of leaning more towards kids was the first time I'd ever heard of them was on Tiny Toons. Yeah, I mean, well, that was the second time I'd ever heard of them, but yeah, that was... That is part of what really did it for me with hearing them on Tiny Toons and, and, and really loving, especially Particle Man, like loving that song. How were, uh, how were you exposed to them before Tiny Toons? I had heard, no, MTV. Uh, they had oh. a video for a song uh, for Birdhouse in Your Soul. Oh, that yeah. I, and that was the, the first thing I saw from them. And actually, I fell in love with that instantly. Um, and it didn't even put together for a while that that was the same band that was doing mm. Particle and Istanbul on Tiny Toons. Yeah, I'm not even trying to make this the, the They Might Be Giants podcast or make this the whole thing, but <laughs> I, I had the... Uh... On is the They Might Be Giants podcast. Dude, make it a thing. <laughs> um, well, the the uh, first time I had seen them was in Charlotte, and they they were performing their whole set or whatever, but when they got to Birdhouse, yeah. you saw couples that were like in their 60s and 70s jumping out of their seats and dancing and it was like such a moving experience that like this song like their one big hit resonates with these people of all different ages and it's like god this is like something magical i'm witnessing it's, right now this song is magical i mean and there's actually like and i had somebody explain this to me before but there's like things that song does in terms of like uh key changes and chord progressions it's like really crazy stuff and um I feel like on some level, that's that's kind of what's cutting through. Is like this this is not a normal song. Like mm-hmm. there's there's some there's some like weird music magic to it. We should probably start talking about your music now. <laughs> a little less fun, but I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> like I'm i just thinking I was like, are people gonna be like, well, what the fuck? I wanted to hear him talk about it. <laughs> Dude, dude, what if we got, like, what if one day we got They Might Be Giants on here, and then we found out that they were huge fans of Open Mic Eagle, and then we just ended up talking about his music, like... <laughs> I, I do know those guys, though, and they have listened to me. Oh, shit! Yeah. Didn't they, uh... Wait, didn't someone do the guitar on uh, the first song? Uh, Dan Miller from They Might Be Giants. He's not one of the Johns, so he doesn't write the songs, but he's their guitarist. Oh, um, Wow. He, uh, he played on Iron Hood. That is so cool. I had no idea about that. That's awesome. And, and speaking of which, speaking of which, so, uh, wait, that was the first song, right? Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that song. So um, so this album is, and, you know, I was reading up about it, like, because I, I like listening to an album and then, like, afterwards, you know, reading up about, you know, what the process that someone was going through, right? Because it's always cool to see, like, you know, like, if you go to a... Um, you know, if you go to an art gallery or whatever, you look at the picture first and then you read the little thing that's next to it to be like, yeah, like, did I get this right? Like, <laughs> did I know what the fuck was going on? So this album was about your, uh, it was like the, oh, oh my goodness, uh, the Taylor Holmes that you grew up in in Chicago. Yeah, I, and... I, didn't, I didn't grow up there just by the way, but I did spend a lot of time there because my aunt and uh, first cousins and stuff all lived there. So I was, okay. I, I was there a lot, but I didn't grow up there. I grew up about a mile away from there. Mm. All right. So, and the idea was that this place had been demolished and th- there was just nothing that was built there. And all those people were just sort of displaced. Yep. And it, it, you'd said that you came up with this on like, like a, like a random plane trip somewhere. And you just randomly was like, Hey, wait a minute. What happened to that, that place? Yeah, because it got demolished while I was uh, away in college. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't wasn't something that I had really thought through. And uh, on that plane ride, it occurred to me to, like, see 
what was on that land now. And that's when I learned that like it hadn't gotten redeveloped. Mm-hmm. So and that inspired this album. Yeah, like that that kind of pulled up some feelings in me that I felt like I needed to explore. OK, now, can I ask you a question and and maybe I'm reading too deep into this or maybe this is a slick thing that you did. And I, and I noticed it. Uh, the first song, the oh, which one was it? Oh, uh, 95 Radio. Was it was it released on September 11th? Uh, you know what? That might have been because that was released the Monday the album came out. And the album came out on the 15th. So, yeah, that did come out on the 11th. Yeah, I I was thinking that maybe there you were there was some sort of like subtle correlation that you were trying to do there between this place being destroyed and all of that culture being wiped out and like, you know, 9-11, you know, these buildings being destroyed by terrorists. No, that is called a happy, terrible accident. All right. I, <laughs> God damn it. I thought it was going to be like, oh, man. All right. Now we're going to, like, explore the idea of, like, terror. What is terror in, like, you know, different facets. But no, that was just an accident. All right. All right. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? But, like, that type of thing is why I love kind of leaving, uh, like, leaving a lot of stuff open to interpretation. Um I love like having the room for a listener to kind of put something together like that. Because whether it's intended or not, I'm certainly for that. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm certainly all about that correlation. Uh, I just mm. didn't do it on purpose in that sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got, you got to claim it. You got to be like, oh yeah. I mean, you know, if you want to interpret it that way, it's one way. You know. <laughs> I might have to adjust my policy on, uh, online. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. The, now, there's a character called Iron... Oh, God. Not Iron Mike. Iron Hood. <laughs> and he is... <laughs> and he is... the Like, who is this character? Is he the Taylor Holmes Projects? Or is he you? Like, what was... What's the process through which you're sort of, like, creating this character? Iron Hood is, like... He begins as like the fantasy of a uh, of a kid in the projects. It's like it's kind of like going through living in that area and just doesn't know how to cope with a lot. So like, you know, he starts to imagine what uh, what his superpowers would be, and uh, creates this kind of like identity for himself. And I, you know, the question then becomes uh, in in the, in the world of this album. Um, does this entity really have any sort of power or not? Because because right. in some sense, the power is just the power to get through things. Um, but then is that even a power all, at all, or is he just kind of becoming a sociopath? You know what I mean? Oh, man, that's just sad now. <laughs> I was thinking, like, yeah, the power to the, to get through this, and he's, he's going to come through. He's like Bobby Digital. You know, he's coming through to save the hood. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, it's completely metaphorical. It's just really sad. <laughs> Once again, though, and this was on purpose, that one is open to interpretation. Just like the, uh, if you've seen the video for, for uh, Brick Body Complex. Oh, yes. So that the character Iron Hood is in that video, and you see him, like, you know, trying to save the building. You see him, like, you know, trying to stop this gentrification and the changing of the neighborhood. Um, but the question you're left with at the end is, was this enemy that he was fighting real or was it just, you know, something that, a you know, a delusional kind of post-traumatic mind kind of dreamt up? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about that. But, yeah. Um, so this character, the, the, the hooded person destroying the, the, the neighborhood like in rubbing green stuff on himself that that was kind of weird uh <laughs> like who who is that supposed to like be who does that like represent uh, it represents like the forces of capitalism pretty much you mm. know like real estate magnates public policy all of that kind of faceless com- by committee stuff that just happens to people and uh and you know it happens as a like the people who make those decisions just aren't they're they're concerned about the ideas and the concepts they're not concerned with the people involved in the decisions they make because yeah. what's crazy about the this uh event that this is based off of is that 
you know, usually like Robert Moses, guys like that, like they destroyed neighborhoods in order to like, oh, well, you can't get in the way of progress. Da, da, da. This was just like, oh, we just destroyed it. And um, that was it. Uh, fuck them. <laughs> you know, it's just, there's some. A big part of it was that uh, Chicago around that time was really trying really hard to uh, get this Olympic bid. Oh, and so they were just, you know, they were they were taking away things that the city considered eyesores. It's weird because it represents the other side of the same coin that caused the projects to be built in the first place. Right. Because, like, mm-hmm. this, this is a city deciding, OK, it's 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 residents deserve, you know, it's it's poor residents deserve better housing because they were designed to be like these modern, nice buildings that people were excited to move into. You know, then it went shit. But um, <laughs> so, but the other side of that coin is that when the city decides they're going to go away, they just go away. Yeah, yeah. So can I ask you, what's the, like, what is the point of the album title? Like, what's the significance of that in relation to the, the topic? Well, because I think, you know, in that, in that environment, especially if you're like a young person um, with the dangers there, with a lot of, a lot of what would, would go on in those places, uh, I think that there is a hardening that takes place, first of all. Uh, and that's kind of what I was speaking to with the creation of Ironhood, whether or not, like, this is really some kind of power, or if he's just kind of losing a connection to his actual emotions. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a hardening. And the other thing is this. Um, you know, I, there, when we were talking about the villain in that video, mm-hmm. uh, there's a certain apathy that you have to have towards the people who live in those buildings to kind of make the decisions they made about them. Like, Displacing yeah. them, relocating them without any like um, any real thoughts of whether or not there was any problem with like gang affiliations. They they lost track of a third of the residents. Like just just there's just thirty three percent of people who lived in that system were just still to this day unaccounted for. You know what that's, I mean? That's and crazy. It, it's crazy, right? And I think that like for for that to go that way, there's a certain apathy um, that people have to have, and I and I think it's similar to the apathy that takes place in a lot of senses when like, you know, when there's incidents of police violence against, against black Americans. And there's a lot of people whose first thought is like, okay, but what did that person do? Why listen? Like they don't, there's no connection to like a family having lost a family member for. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think like, and so what I wanted to do too was draw a correlation between like the apathy for these buildings and the apathy for like black bodies in a lot of senses in America. Oh, so, right, right. That's where the title comes from. Um, you have a song called Hymnal, and there's a lyric in there where you bring up like you you know when you're like listening to someone and you realize like they're they're doing something, and I was like, you said Chili Pepper, and then you said I ain't got Mama's gun, and I was like, wait. Why is he bringing up these <laughs> artists and songs? Is there like, because I, I couldn't figure out what the correlation was supposed to be like. Wait, Chili Peppers, then Erica Badu, and then All for One. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, like, all, all of that was uh, me finding different ways to say that, like, I, uh, I am kind of like alone in my mission. You know what I mean? And and in that sense, a lot of it was like my mission as an artist. I don't feel like I belong to anything. You know what I mean? Um, and so um, it's weird because the song is kind of like this, 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 this almost spiritual kind of call to arms kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, as the leader or whatever, as the representative of whatever it is that I'm trying to represent, I'm like reminding people that I don't I don't have support. I don't have a community. I'm kind of like standing alone in, in my viewpoints. And um, and somehow but but somehow I'm, I'm expect, not expecting, but like I, I feel like some people are going to follow. It's a weird song. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask before we move on from Hymnal that it it seems like on the last three albums there's always a feature on there that I'm always super excited to see. Um, On Dark Comedy, uh, there was a track with Hannibal Burris, which I got to go back and ask about again in a second. On um, Hella Personal (laughs) Film Festival, which was... I'm. I just gotta say, one of my favorite albums of last year. I listened to that album so 
damn many times. Uh, it's awesome from beginning to end. And um, uh, with Aesop Rock on that album, and with here, uh, Samus, who we've had on the show before. Um, God, it was... I wish we had her on under better circumstances, because we had her on the show, like, the week of the um, presidential election. <laughs> and it was such a sad, downer kind of, like, mood. We still tried to talk about cool shit because her new album had just come out, and we were trying to talk about, like, like we talked about Nicktoons, and we tried to keep it light, but then at the same time, it's like, oh boy, just a couple days ago, <laughs> like, that shit happened. <laughs> but, um, how did that uh, friendship, that collaboration, uh, start? We met through uh, Mega Ram, who I'm sure you're... Okay. Ha. We talked to Samus. Uh, we, me and Mega Ram were on tour, and we were on a tour where, like, I was booking half the shows, and he was booking the other half. So, like, I was booking us dirty underground rap shows, and he was booking us dirty underground nerdcore shows. Mm. So, we had a show in Ithaca that, um, that Samus helped put together. So, it was my first time meeting her. And, uh, you know, it's blown away, man. Um, even in her, 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 she was a lot less, you know, developed as a, as a MC and performer then. That was like, that had to be like five years ago. Um, but it was, you could already see it. You know what I mean? Like, you could already see, like, oh, no, this is like a special talent here. Um, and then, you know, like, I, I'm, I, I, I try to, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I guess I don't try to do this, but I end up in a position a lot where like, um, you know, black artists in this indie stuff that kind of come halfway from the DIY world with something to say, a lot of them end up looking to me for like advice on how to like put together a career in this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we've always talked a lot that way too, with me trying to like give her whatever wisdom I could and how to how to kind of put it put it all together uh career-wise and i'm still of course still learning too but um you know we communicate a lot about that kind of stuff like like best practices yeah i i, I it's been weird because we've been off for uh a period of three weeks and in that time we've noticed cardi b going to number one um i think darren and i both discovered um is it pronounced cupcake or cupcake? How, how do you pronounce that? I, I think it's just cupcake. <laughs> okay, cupcake. I wasn't sure if that was a play on words or not. Like bukake. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, it's just amazing how. And now we got Samus's. Like you said, five years ago, you know, like had the had the opportunities, had the room to grow. Now being named like a title rising star, like. I know Darren had posted this on Twitter that we're starting to kind of see uh, the female rapper resurgence, at least in the eye of the public. Not to say that they were that they weren't always there, but just kind of being noticed more, I guess. Uh, you know, it's, man, it's it's hard for me to say, man. Because but but the reason, the, the biggest reason, it's hard for me to say is that like I don't like I've never heard you know the, the big Cardi B song. You know what I mean? Um, I'm just like out of the loop in terms of like a lot of the public consumption of rap music. So it's, it's, it's really difficult for me to know like what's happening in a moment of time. It's not like, you know, in the Indies. Uh, so, yeah. So you just really sort of stick to stick to your, your stuff, right? Uh, you know, I just like, you know, I just listen to what appeals to me and like, what's what I feel like is going to speak to my values or, or make some sense for my life. And typically, you know, just a lot of the commercial stuff uh, where it's not that I think it's bad because I, I see the, the value. And especially at this time in rap history, there's never been another time where like it's been like you have to you things have to be high quality. Now, I used to be able to be like really terrible thrown together stuff. That was the best stuff. I mean, like the most <laughs> prominent stuff in the mainstream. But now, like, no, like these beats are difficult to make and. You know, these are high quality recordings with artists that are really, you know, typically skilled um, in recording rap music that that uh, that are at these top positions. It's just a lot of times it's just not music that resonates with me a lot. So I don't necessarily seek it out. And, and I, honestly, a lot of times I avoid it. Um, 
and so and you know in that sense it's kind of hard for me to know what's going on um on that level you've also been on tour for a minute though also right uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like since the album came out and so there's that and also i think we'd be remiss to not mention the comedy central show yeah what what can you go into about that? Because honestly, um, we had a list at the, at the end of 2016, the beginning of 2017, where uh, uh, we were talking about dream guests for the show. You were on the short list along with uh, Representative uh, Keith Ellison and Bernie Sanders. I think those might be uh, a little bit out of range, possibly, but when... Um, <laughs> When I saw you had, um, when I saw the news about the Comedy Central show, I was like, oh, well, now there's no way, because dude's got, dude's got shit going on, but that's why I was so, so super excited, and I tried to keep my composure on Twitter and seem super professional, but when you wrote back and you were like, yeah, sure, I was fucking, I was marking out, I was losing my shit, so. It's a show that I co-host with Baron Vaughn, um. He's a, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a stand-up. He's on, uh, he's an actor. He's on Grace and Frankie. Uh, he's one of the voices of the new Mystery Science Theater, Theater 3000. Oh, he's just Tom Servo. Yes. Okay, awesome. So um, me and him host a live comedy show here in L.A. It's like a show, a stand-up showcase that we co-host. And Comedy Central has optioned that into a television show. Oh, that okay. cool, man. Man, I'm just reading this headline, and it's it's such a small world here because it also says they're all they ordered a pilot uh, with uh, Aquafina, and we were just talking about that. Um, oh shit! There was a documentary that we were privy to see about Asian American rappers, and she was featured very prominently. Yeah, my boy Dumbfound. I haven't seen it yet, but I know um, they tell you know like it's, it's it's got a lot to do with him too. I I decided to go back through the. Um, I was like, wait a minute. Let me go back to that old album and see if there was anything like I wanted to actually talk to him about because it's like this is this is a pretty good moment right now. <laughs> so I decided to check out um uh, a Hella Personal Film Festival. Oh, uh, that's the last one we reviewed, right? Yes. And oh goodness, you had the admitting the admitting the endorphin addiction. For some reason, this is hard for me to say. <laughs> um. Me and my uh, my easy to say titles. That's all. <laughs> and uh, you you had the first song on here. Yeah, that was that was the first song. First of all, that was one of my favorite songs from last year. Um, yeah, and and I don't know what it is. There's just something about like okay, so your style is very sing songy, and I, I find it kind of fascinating. It's like it it, it reminds me like when I first listened to it, I, I was just thinking like this kind of reminds me of like. And this is so weird to say, but it's like, if it's like smooth jazz from like the 40s was like transplanted to, to today, and like this is what it would sound like. And that was such a weird feeling for me to think, but like, I was kind of feeling that. And then there's, <laughs> you say like, rap music has ruined me. I always want to loop my favorite part. So this song is it sampling something? What is it sampling? You know, it is sampling something, but I don't know what. Um, you know, it was Paul White did all the beats, and he's like a maniac. So damn it! <laughs> I was like, what is this? It's I think it's like a Quincy Jones song or something. Whatever it is, I think uh, having to pay for it. So <laughs> I'm afraid to say what it is. Yeah, yeah. We noticed uh, he goes a bit crazy. Uh, with the sampling when we when we reviewed the uh, the Danny Brown album, mm-hmm. and there was that really weird song that he sampled for the uh, uh, "Ain't It Funny" that like almost scary. It was just like, <laughs> and like what the hell is this? Yeah. It's <laughs> it frightening. Um, um, I I really love the storytelling in um Insecurity Part Two. That might be my favorite song on the oh, album. Oh yes! If if not that one, smiling. It is. It, it is really close because I mean I could just go through all of these. They're all great, but just how in depth that song goes. Um, yeah, it's just oh man, like it's such a. It, it definitely put. It makes you feel a certain way of just like oh god. Like very rarely do songs make you uncomfortable, but in a way that you can tell it was intended. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's, Discomfort all through that album, man. And I, mm-hmm. when I think about it, um, 
Yeah, man, that's a weird decision to make, to pick, to make your rap album uncomfortable on purpose. But hey, that's what I do, man. What is the album cover like? What is that supposed oh, to be? Yeah. yeah, what does that mean in relation to the, you know? A lot of stuff on that album has to do with, like, social stuff and, like, dating and, and that, and, you know, and, 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 and the expectations people have of people. And, um, that wasn't like a piece of art I had commissioned for the album. Like my uh, my guy Frohawk Two Feathers, he's like this world renowned artist that I went to college with. He had that piece, and I just thought that it, it just it just captured something. You know what I mean? And and, and it, it is it is it wasn't an easily definable thing that it captured, but just mm. this feeling of like this this social combat. Um, <laughs> the uh, the thing that I didn't really realize though until like way later was I actually thought that that was a man and a woman sword fighting, <laughs> but uh, it was brought to my attention that that was two women. Oh, oh. yeah. Which which changed <laughs> it, and and maybe I wouldn't have picked that. If I'm... <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, you do. Three months into it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I, I got to oh, go God. back. Oh. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, what was the one song you brought up, Lena Dunham? Oh yeah, what was that part and about? It, yeah, she had said something publicly about like having touched her little sister. We thought private. that's what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I decided from that moment, like I'm just never gonna like. It was like maybe the second or third time where like she was trending, and I looked at something looked at what it said and it was something horrifying I decided in that moment I'm just not gonna do that anymore <laughs> I wrote that lyric from there it's never anything that's beneficial for me to read it's always something crazy that makes me feel terrible so well I'm sorry I reminded you of that no 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 it's fine <laughs> of not looking at what she says so any any excuse I have to tell people publicly not to go look up what she says I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to go back one more album to go back to something I'd mentioned before. How did you get teamed up with uh, Hannibal Barris for the track on Dark Comedy? And was that a written verse or was that something he just freestyled? Uh, I think he wrote it. Um, and and I, I've, I've known him since college, man. Wow. I was his RA um, in college mm. when he started comedy. Um, so like, yeah, I just known him for years, man. And, you know, he's a, he's a comedian that, that loves rap music, man. And so, uh, when I was making a record, I had him see if he wanted to rap on it and he did. Now who, uh, who made the video? Because I specifically want to ask about the credits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Tamara Wofford, um, who, who's, uh, mostly an AD that works in, in television. Uh, made that video. What you know, me and her kind of put our heads together to make it. Like she executed it, but it was kind of a vision me and her had. Uh, for, for those of you who haven't seen the video, um, one may notice um, that the credits of the video everyone credited is a character from Twin Peaks. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I was, I had to ask if you were a fan of the show or if that was somebody else. No, no, no. Yeah, all that, all that was me. A lot oh, okay. of that was a. Uh, it was Twin Peaks. It was a uh, Death Note. Mm. Um, a lot of that stuff because that yeah, like at the time, me and Tomorrow both were really into those shows and and in our creation of that style of, um, of credits, we wanted to point to other stuff that we liked. Did you watch season three mm. of Twin Peaks? I haven't because I don't have Showtime. Oh, okay. Then I won't say anything about it then. That's fair. Yeah. I, hear, I hear it's a lot of people don't like it. A it's amazing. <laughs> Own personal opinion, it is, uh, it exceeded, uh, expectations, uh, for me. I-, I went in not expecting answers, so if there weren't answers or anything explained, I wouldn't have my, uh, hopes up for anything. It was just like, this is what Lynch wants to do, and I'm just gonna respect that, and you'll watch it, and it's like, it doesn't feel like the show at all. It feels more like the movie, but uh, oh, okay. So it's like dark, like that, it, like heavy. It's very dark. It goes into a lot more of the uh, kind of like the the story behind everything because it okay. kind of takes on a whole new story, but revolving the same 
characters. It's it, it was it was oh, one of the very few shows that I had followed week by week and was frustrated that I had to wait and at the same time was sadder and sadder every week knowing that it was one week closer to being over. I had a another question about cuz I'm just the person who always wants to talk about the lyrics. Uh <laughs> So, you have a song called A Short About a Guy That Dies Every Night. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to ask, like, what inspired this? Like, to write a song? <laughs> that was a metaphor mostly about, um, like, police brutality. You know what I mean? And, like, you know, it, it kind of goes with, with, with the smiling song. It's just kind of like this, this thread of black American existence where you just have to face this constant... Um, constant stories of and thoughts of death by police officer or death by society that people um that's it you know that's not entirely unique to the black american experience but it's just something i wanted to write from holy shit i didn't get that at all oh my god wow <laughs> now i'm looking at this completely different now <laughs> holy shit okay all right well yeah everybody go check out that song and <laughs> I um I gotta bring it back because you know we we, uh, we have some mutual fandoms. Uh, there was a track early on on that album where you made a Rick Martel reference, and at that point I was like, okay, the, you know, obviously this is more than your average because we've talked about this on the show before about how whenever rappers reference wrestlers, it's usually. Hogan, Macho Man, or Ric Flair, but for a Rick the Model Martel reference, I was like, all right, this guy is either a fan or knows somebody that is a fan, because that's just deep enough that it's uh, it, it definitely uh, sparked my interest. Are you, um, do you still follow it, or are you more of, like, a fan of the 80s stuff? I do a wrestling podcast every week, so I'm watching Raw, SmackDown, mm. or pay-per-view every week. Like, it is... Like, that is my thing. You know, wrestling is my thing. I, I love it. I love professional wrestling. What do you think about them putting the Shield back together? Um, I enjoyed it on Raw last night. Um, I I mean, they've been telegraphing it for weeks now, mm -hmm. so, like, it didn't have the, the surprise factor I would like for that sort of thing. But, um, but I'm with it. Uh, I think, I think it's great. Um, I mean, there, I'll put it to you this way. It's not necessarily the way I would have preferred them to do it, but uh, they've pulled the trigger on it, and it seems to be going well. And um, I think they're going to finally get Roman over as a face. You, you, you know you know what the problem is? Mm. The problem is going to be this dead, the music. Because right now, like, we are – a Pavlovian train to boo when we hear that music. Oh yeah, the the old Shield music, which he still uses now. Yeah, I think when they hit that music yesterday, I think that they were they were hoping that uh, people would look at it with with a sense of nostalgia. But I don't know. I, that's that's going to be the problem because their their appearances are going to be defined by what happens when they come out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. And if they're coming out to that old music, they're going to have some more months of, like, some people booing just from hearing that music. Yeah, whoever that group is, what is it, CFO, dollar sign or whatever, J Jim Johnson, they're going to have to write something new for them. <laughs> get them some new merch, get them some new uh, music, yeah, because, yeah. So that, that weirded me out, too, yesterday, how they came out, like, later on in the show with new t-shirts on. <laughs> <laughs> That was kind of hilarious, like, that they got the cash grab shirt already. Uh, like, I, I, I don't want to make this a whole thing or whatever, but yeah, for me, it personally felt, like, kind of aggressive. Like, I'd much rather see them do big things on their own, but, I mean, that's to say that Seth hasn't done big things on his own, and obviously he has. Um, I just feel bad for Dean, because it feels like... Dean was an experiment that didn't work the way they wanted. So it's like I agree with that completely. But see, that's the thing is like, because that's true, it's great that he has this opportunity to get a second act. I mean, true. There's a long history of guys that if their big push experiment doesn't work, work, they get fired. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like do something that's like 
uh, a lot less glamorous in terms of how they write out the rest of their career. But the fact that he's got this this thing that was amazingly over to go back to, it's almost like it hits the reset button on all of them. And, and I feel like with what they have done and the successes they have had as singles, whatever the next phase of that story is, I think all of those guys are going to be better off for it because we know who they are now. And then, and then there was like, I used to practice trying to talk like I was Mr. Bogus. I was like, do you know who Mr. Bogus is? I looked it up and I don't like, it's one of those cartoons that was like, I don't remember what that was, but my, a part of my brain is like lighting up like I should. Like, you know, he was this little claymation type, little ugly yellow dude. Um, and he was, uh, he was like, like he was yellow and he wore blue pants. Um, and he was just this, this, this random cartoon character that had this voice. And I used to try to practice talking like him. And that's, that's really the whole story. There, there was no there was no other thing behind that. It was just like, oh, yeah. I literally used to practice trying to talk like him. That was it. <laughs> that's all it was. Dude, you have no idea how much I appreciate those little personal touches like that that mean <laughs> nothing to anyone else except it's like, hey, this is something I did. I don't care if you know what it means. <laughs> this is... I felt like this needed to be in here. I, I always... I love that type of shit. That That's like... That gets a bigger smile out of me than any, like, witty, like, um, punchline or just something that feels like this was personal. I-, I love the shit out of that. And I'm looking at this now. I recognize it a little. I certainly didn't watch it, though. I think this might have been... Uh, I-, I-, I don't know our age difference. I was just going to say this might be a little bit before my time, but... Um, it was, and I think a thing that culturally might have only lasted two years or something. Ah, uh, you know I mean? okay. I think it... You know what it reminds me of? Like, Bump in the Night. Y'all remember that one? That sounds familiar. Like, uh... uh Hold on, let me let me find it. Because the the animation, like that that claymation part, I was like, wait, because it looks sort of like oh, messed yeah. up, and you know what I'm trying to say. Wait, hold on, let me let me send it to you. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at a video of uh, I think it's a full episode, but yeah, this this looks about familiar. All 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 that claymation yeah. shit it seems to so weird, and it all and it always looks like it takes place in like. You know, a, a bedroom, a kid's bedroom that you know people forgot. <laughs> God, this is weird. Well, anyway, when sorry, that's this? completely irrelevant. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those like I know it was during the '90s, but I can't place a year. Oh, look, '94 to '95, so like oh. right in the middle of the '90s. Look we at that. Spoiled with weirdness in the '90s. We had weirdness no one could ever dream of, and some of it I'm like, was that real? Yeah, it really does feel like it's like, did that happen? Was that a fever dream? <laughs> a lot of 90s was all uh, gross-out humor, too, I noticed. Yeah, like, like Ren and like... Stimpy was very gross. Uh, mm-hmm. Our Real Monsters was gross. Uh, not not yeah. so much Rocco, but it had its moments. Yeah. yeah. It's his neighbors, they just look gross. Like That's true, yeah. Yeah, the big heads. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. just frog people. Man, I I, I right. feel so bad for people trying to create authentic original shit now because I mean th- th- there's definitely enough out there, but it feels like a lot of it just kind of gets run through the same ringer of like, no, it's got to look like this, it has to feel like this. But then you look at Mr. Bumpy and be like, how did this get greenlit? <laughs> <laughs> you know what the th- the thing about it was this man like in in terms of entertainment because uh, you you know like. It represented a time when there was just a lot more money in the economy. Like, mm-hmm. if you were yeah. in the entertainment, you could afford to take a lot more risks in the 90s. Because, like, people were buying, like, people were spending, like, $10 for a CD. You know what I mean? And so that That's meant true. you did your budget for the year. You had a few million you could, you could, um, you could use to market towards, like, niche things or, like, underground things or just take mm-hmm. chances. Like, when, when that industry and all of these industries, of course, have lost money uh, with everything going digital, they just don't have that room anymore. They don't have room to like experiment. You know what I mean? This week on the Going Off podcast, we are talking about Rose Azora Niano by Cunning Linguists, their first album in six years. Um, just came out on the sixth. Uh, we were watching it. 
Um, definitely wanted to hit on it as soon as it came out. And uh, I myself was not disappointed uh, by the album. I enjoyed it a good bit. Um, I wanted your thoughts. I'm not really sure it's exactly... Um, I mean this in the nicest possible way. That, that this album was, like, serviceable. You know, like, the, the rhymes were sufficient. Um, I thought the songs were very well written. Uh, I like the beats. I like the subject matter. All of it was great. Don't really know if it has the re-listen factor, though. Like, I don't really know if I was blown away by it to the fact that it's an album I necessarily want to revisit. Um... And I don't know if that's just, like, a personal preference of mine, because uh, some of the albums I do tend to revisit uh, tend to be some of the more lighter albums. Like, we were just talking with the Open Mike Eagle, some of his tracks are, you know, more fun and upbeat, and those tend to be the ones I go back to. Um, Rav's album is one I listen to a lot. Uh, Aesop Rock and um, The Impossible Kid. I listen to these albums a lot, but they also tend to be very... Uh, you know, punchline heavy, uh, very witty and stuff like that. This album reminded me a lot of, uh, the album we talked about, um, geez, it's probably like 30 or something episodes ago by this point, but the, uh, Tribe Called Quest album, where it's, uh, it's very conscious of the social issues, it's very of its time, um, talking a lot about the racial injustice and all of that that we knew was going to become... Uh, an aspect in hip-hop. It was only natural. It's uh, it's not surprising that within this current administration and the almost daily attacks on uh, on people of color and other minorities that this is what you get. This is the type of response you get is the, you know, we got to stand up. We got to we gotta stick together. We got to fight, you know, for just our way of life, who we are, you know, to prove that, you know, we are people, essentially, in some people's eyes. Um, but with it being on such a more serious, uh, foot, um, yeah, I don't know if I was, I would revisit it. I would still probably end up giving it like a four and a half if we're gonna, you know, spoiler alert, you know, like it was a very solid album. I enjoyed it, but you know, I just don't know about the re-listenable, the re-listenability of it. Yourself? I think you are a hater. Oh. I think I think you you're mad because cunning linguist stacks bitches to the ceiling, rides on uh, 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 money, and 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 gets lots of twenty inch chrome. That's what I think about your opinion. So a four and a half is hating now. <laughs> a four and a half out of five is hating. Okay. <laughs> It's the way you put it. No, no, it's just the way you put it, though, because I enjoyed the absolute shit out of this album. And, like, yeah, I, I can feel how you feel about it just being solid, but I enjoyed, like, every minute of it. Cutting Linguist kind of goes back for me, though. Um, I I used to listen to them in high school. Uh, I remember they, they were basically kind of like the underground outcast to me. <laughs> You know, they're like, this is hip-hop that's really smart. Uh, maybe even smarter than Outkast, you know what I'm saying? Just like, I don't mean that like a contest, but it's just like, you know, they they just talked about more stuff, you know? And, um, you know, fun punchline. I mean, they were definitely goofier at the beginning. Uh, but this one is a lot more, like, starkly serious and a lot more focused. And I love that, like... You know, here's these artists that I used to listen to. They were they were kind of fun, but they also had you know lots of different topics and stuff. And now it's like, whoa, they grew the fuck up. And I love this music that they're playing. Like, honey, that shit buzzed so fucking hard. Like, and that singer, I don't know who she was, but she just sounded like sex. Like, it's just like Jesus. And um, and uh, um, oh, what was it Riot? So like, this music really came off to me as like. Like this is like music at, at 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 during the apocalypse, but like where where you're sort of just like it's far away and you see that it's coming towards you, and like this is sort of like that music where it's just like, well, this is the the last bit of calm I'm gonna have before I can't avoid this. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, that... I remember you. I remember you said something similar uh, about the Gorillas album. Hmm. 
Well, even that that was supposed to kind of be the premise of it was like a soundtrack to the apocalypse is what they were so what they were going for mm-hmm. uh, long before they even knew that you know Trump was going to be elected president. You know they were just kind of looking forward to the future, and that's what it came out uh, came out as. I really agree strongly in that um, riot phenomenal song. Honey is a great song. Um, I think it started great and ended a little weak. And I mean only a little weak by the fact I'm talking specifically about Earth to Venus. Yeah. Is kind um, of a weak way to end the album. Well, I was kind of like, actually, oh, that was the last track. I kind of wouldn't have guessed that, but okay. The uni- No Universe Without Harmony was weird just because like the way that guy was talking... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no universe without harmony. Like, who, where is this guy from? <laughs> yeah, I think it was a lot more focused in the beginning. Might have lost it a little bit towards the end, but it, you know, you know what it it's... was. It, it was front loaded with the sort of the messages, and then I noticed as the album went on, it was very focused towards women. Like, yeah, yeah. Every song it felt like was about a woman. And so you had like the the one song that was about um Red Bird, the song about like this mom watching her daughter sleep, and this black child's gonna be a part of the next generation to change the world. You know what I'm saying? And then you have um then you have uh uh which was it? Oh, anyway the wind blows about the girl trying to be like a video model, but you know the rappers just see her as like a whore to have sex with, so she's just like, well I don't want to fuck with this. And then you kind of have it go on where it's like she feels like she's never going to be respected. So she's like, you know, it doesn't really make it clear if she's committing suicide, but they use the word suicidal a lot. And, you know, but then you see the next song of her like performing and, you know, doing her thing and like just like getting respect and doing what she wants. It was just like, it's fascinating. It's like there's like a mini story arc going on in here with this woman and... It's so strange, like, because yeah, none of the none of the songs are about like a uh, a uh, uh, a boy who like grows up into this. They're always specifically about women, and I was like, yeah. I wonder why that is. Like, what's going on here? And well, I, mean, I mean, the album cover is a picture of a woman, and yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe the, that's just the overall theme. Maybe it is about a specific person. Yeah, I um, mean, it is literally the name. It is literally the name of a woman. Maybe if we look it up, like, there's just a woman with that name, which is like, oh no, there's. This is literally like the autobiography of like this woman. She actually wrote this whole album and like we're <laughs> If we're looking at the you know the the name Rose and you got Red Bird, you know. Oh maybe yeah. Maybe it's you know there. Maybe it's a concept album and we just didn't know. I don't know how to find this out. This album is on Bandcamp right now and it doesn't really give you much information. No, to it go does on. not. I was trying to find interviews or anything that could help expand the meaning of this album. There's even, like, one of the verses is not on, like, Rap Genius. Like <laughs> What? Just skips it? Yeah! The second verse of the, uh, of the, uh, No Universe Without Harmony, it's just not there. That's an odd choice. <laughs> so I'm just like, who was writing this and just got bored here? Like... <laughs> It's not even the last track, jeez. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stick with it a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah, th- there seems to be very limited information about this. And it's just like, does no one want to know, like, why this album is specifically named this? And it was like, does, you know, it got me thinking, like, Rose, okay, so there's Red Bird and Azuro, there's, uh, it's like, Violet, right? No, uh, never mind. I-, I was about to say, like, Niano, maybe that means bird or something. I don't, I don't fucking know. But anyway, yeah, um, I thought this was very enjoyable. I love just listening. I don't know. There's something interesting about just, like, people talking about, uh, what was it that I wrote here? Um, it's like, it's about this badass chick who owns her life and sexuality, but it's dope how it's so, like, low-key progressive in a way. You know, like, a lot of songs that would be about, you know, a, a guy's writing about women, in order to avoid the, oh, she's a hoe thing, they would be like, nah, she doesn't mess with guys at all. But it's like, no, she does. 
Like, there's parts where she's like, you know, she needs relief from something, so she messes with this guy, and da-da-da-da. But it's never framed as like, oh, hang your head in shame that she would give up her body. for. No, it's actually just like, I don't, in fact, they have points where she's like, you know, she her uh, her her uh, red bottoms are her bottoms are stained with the blood of these fuckboys whose emotions she keeps crushing. You know what I'm saying? And, and it is like the end of the verse, which is like, bro, just let her just let her be. Don't don't try to kick game if you if you can't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, oh. I, I looked this up by the way. Um, yeah. it's ba- it basically is red, blue, yellow. Uh, uh, Niano is yellow in Swahili, and Azure ah, no, is blue. Ah, no, it's so stupid. So <laughs> they, like they are idiot. all colors. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Oh yeah, and there are different like when you go to the 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 different songs on Genius, they have like different pictures, and it's like you see a red one and a blue one and a yellow one. Yeah. Oh well, then uh, there we go. And the album is very, you know, it's got the the yellow bird and the yellow dress, and it's honey. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And violet oh, says, is a shade of blue, so... Yeah, yeah. She says, uh... She said, uh... Her red bottom's covered in the blood of fuckboys on the soles of her primrose pumps. You find the soul of two pump chumps who refuse to kick rocks in some beat-up chunks, so let her put her feet up, cuz she ain't playing with you. <laughs> Man, that, that line alone is basic... is, like, a better interpretation of the couple lines in Bodak Yellow. Yeah, I was thinking like, the exact same thing. It's expressed way in way better detail, but essentially means the same thing. Yeah, it's like, don't, 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 just don't fuck with her, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if she's talking was... with you, it means she don't fuck with you. <laughs> but I love how it's like it's never framed as like judging her. You know what I mean? It's never, yeah, oh, yeah. This snotty. No, you, you remember that one song on that um. That, uh, that, that, um, Tribe Called Quest album that we, we reviewed, and it was like, don't mess with her, she's a train wreck, and it was like, this girl won't give me the time of day, she's a train wreck, and it's just like, what? Why? (laughs) It's like, cause she won't mess with you? Like, I don't know, like, they're not helping me characterize why I'm supposed to not like this girl, other than, oh, look at her, she's all snotty cause she doesn't want to have sex with you specifically. It's like, okay, that doesn't... Like, why? It didn't give me sufficient reason to not like this person. You know what I'm saying? So it just came off like, you're just being a douchebag right now. <laughs> you know? And so this song, I, this song felt a lot more humanizing for just a female character, especially having been written by guys, you know? And it was just very interesting. It was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, because usually there, there's sort of like weird, dare I say the word, problematic element in the way, like, sort of rappers write women 99.9 percent of the time even the quote-unquote conscious rappers you know what i'm saying like oh this person's a good girl she did it up or oh she's a slut no but this is just sort of like yeah she you know she has her sexuality you know don't fuck with her she's not talking to you but you know she has this one guy that she's interested in and she takes it there with him you know what i mean and it's not framed as like she's my woman you know because that's usually what they do you know what i'm saying like it's just like Here's this person independent from me that I just want to tell you about. You know? It was just kind of like, huh, we don't really get that perspective from, like, a male rapper centralizing this, you know, woman's point of view. So, yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool. Um, but I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe there's some way I'm just not seeing. <laughs> but it, it, it felt legit to me. It felt, it felt, um, what's the word? It felt, like, genuine, uh, the way that they were trying to tell this woman's story or these women's stories um and then you have uh you know songs that so yeah it's sort of a two-parter like you have parts about revolution and then it's sort of excuse me it's it sort of is talking about you know just like the experiences of these certain women and then at the end it's sort of uh the earth to venus kind of makes it about black music and then I was thinking, like, oh, was it supposed to be, like, this woman is the development of black music? You know what I'm saying? Like, a metaphor like that. But, yeah, it was really cool. I think this is a really solid album. I would give it a 5 out of 5. I'm glad as fuck that Cutting Linguist, like, I don't know, you just feel good when, like, one of your favorite artists growing up is, like, still doing their thing. You're like, yeah! Yeah, I was, I picked the right horse, you know? Like, <laughs> I backed the right horse on this one. You know what I'm saying? 
and, and but, they didn't lose like they didn't lose any steps either. Like they're still coming with the same force. You know, like time hasn't taken a toll on them. Like you said before, they grew up, so to speak. You know, like yeah. that. You know, it's still solid. It's still a great album. And yeah, it's it's nice to see them doing their thing. You know, even if it's like, oh yeah, shit, Canadian Linguist. Like when we were trying to pick an album to review for the show, I was surprised to see that name. You know, because <laughs> they haven't put out anything since we had started this podcast. You know, in that whole time. <laughs> so seeing that name pop up was like, oh shit. Thank you very much for checking out this week's episode of the Going Off Podcast, and thank you again to Open Mike Eagle for taking his time out of his oh so busy day. Dude's got a lot of shit going on right now uh, to sit down and speak with us about his new album, his tour, his Comedy Central show, all that other shit going on. We wish him the best of success and uh, hope that we could possibly talk to him again in the future. Had a lot of fun talking about some nerdy shit and his music. It was great to be able to finally ask him those questions. If this is your first time listening to the Going Off podcast, all of our old episodes are in SoundCloud and on iTunes. Also, YouTube, which is probably where you're listening to this. Uh, if you want to catch up on the old episodes, they're all there, so you can play catch-up. Uh, I've seen some few people say they've just made a weekend out of listening to the episodes trying to catch up, and I mean, <laughs> if, if that's how you want to fucking spend your weekend, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you now. But <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, We also have stickers available on Redbubble. I'll put that link in the, uh, in the description. Also, and, uh, phew, I guess that about covers all there really is to say this week. Um, I guess until, uh, the following week, until next week, for the Going Off Podcast, I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic. I'm in great pain! <laughs> <laughs>